What if I told you that there's a cure for chronic pain? Yes, for that pain you were told you would just have to manage. And what if I told you that that cure is already inside of you? Would you believe me? Welcome to the Let's Talk Mind Body Healing podcast, where we talk about how to truly alleviate chronic suffering. I'm your host, Felicia Jaramus, and I'm really pleased to be here with you today for episode number 10. Uh, But first, hello, I'm back. How exciting. And oh my gosh, 2023. Where have the last few years gone? I think the crazy state of the world has really just made time go all funny. But I'm back. I'm so excited to be here. It's been a while, has it not? I hope you're all really well. Um, Yeah, so back. Going to be dropping episodes the first Wednesday of every month for all of this year. And I've already got a couple of months lined up where you'll get a bonus episode. So I'll drop two of those months. February is one of those. And I think so is March. So yeah, got so many amazing, wonderful things lined up. And I'm so happy to be back helping to spread this message and being alongside you all in your chronic pain recovery journeys. Uh, But not just chronic pain, anxiety, depression, chronic fatigue, lots of things that can all be helped with this work with the mind-body paradigm. And I love, love, love doing this work and helping people because I experienced so much pain for 15 years and healing truly is the most incredible gift and it really is possible. So if you haven't, if you're new to the podcast, you haven't heard my story, it's on episodes one and three. So when I say I really know chronic pain, I do. I've been there. Uh, listening just gives you a taste of what I've been through. I was told I would never be pain free, but I am and I truly believe you can be too. Uh, so remember, if you have any questions at all, send me an email. You can find the link in the show notes or contact me on one of my social media channels at Let's Talk Mind Body Healing, Instagram and Facebook. And don't forget to give me a follow if you haven't already. So I post things there as well to keep you updated on what's happening in the show. Now, um, just briefly before we get on to the first episode back for 2023, obviously the very last episode I dropped before this one, uh, which was quite some time ago now, well over 12 months, I announced that I was taking a break because I needed to do a bit more work on my uh, mental health and I just needed some space. Uh, That break obviously took longer than I was expecting, but it was well worth it. I accomplished a lot of things and I want to read a quote out to you from the holistic psychologist, which sort of sums up how I feel about it. And here it is. So normalize going into a healing cocoon where you disappear for a period of time to be alone, read, listen to podcasts, learn to set boundaries and spend time in nature. You'll be a completely different human being when you emerge. So basically, that is what I did during my break, if you were curious. Um, And it was challenging, I guess. I had some setbacks and I had some real 
challenges. I did have some more um, emotions, repressed things that come up that I really had to work through. Some quite challenging things. The COVID lockdowns on top of that were extraordinarily difficult. So I live in Australia, obviously, where we had some of the longest and most severe lockdowns in the world. And my husband is a paramedic, if you don't know. Um, So he was so busy and under so much stress. And the whole environment created some difficulties for us and in our marriage, which we had to work through. And him being so busy meant I pretty much spent the entire time in my house isolated all by myself and kind of just prior to lockdown we had moved so I knew nobody in the immediate local area and yeah that was wow Uh, even though I really like my own time we're social creatures so yeah the last couple of years honestly weren't super easy for me but I also recognize that in many ways I was lucky and privileged and safe the whole time um But during that time, I had some things come up around death, anxiety. So some more unconscious anxiety and repressed emotions around that in particular that I had to process. A couple of deaths in my family, which didn't help either. Some serious illness, uh, non-COVID related. So I'm going to do an episode on death anxiety at some point. Uh, But it is something that is really, really widespread in our culture something I've done a lot of reflecting and growth around and it was something Sano identified as a big contributor to mind-body disorders and honestly I feel so much better for looking my own in the face but that's I think it's a delicate issue so it's something I'll have to uh, work a bit on so I think I'll hopefully release that one later in the year alongside all these things I had a flare-up as well so my symptoms during this far up were extraordinarily severe. I had all my usual migraine, TMJ, neck pain, shocks down my arms, all that sort of thing. Um, but I also had for the very first time vomiting. So <laughs> this TMS mind-body thing is an emerging, is a no, evolving beast. Um, but the vomiting was so bad, it would wake me in the night and I would wake up every morning needing to run to the toilet. But really the good news is it really didn't take me long to banish all these symptoms. So even though they were so severe and I had new ones because I had the skills from my original recovery, I was able to lean into them and I wasn't fearful at all of them. I knew exactly what they were when they came on. I was like, I recognize this. I recognize you. Hello, old friend. Um, yeah, and I was able to just lean into all of that. And then what took the time was the emotional work for all the things that were underlying the symptoms. So that is what takes the time for me because I really want to dig in and um, heal and grow in that way. It's become a very sort of spiritual thing for me. So I might do an episode on post-recovery flare-ups at some point or I'll talk about it or something. I'm not sure yet. But that was like kind of the personal (laughs) context of the last of what I did in my cocoon, I guess. Professionally, I've accomplished a lot too. So I completed my fourth year of psychology training. So in Australia, there's six years in total. So it's set up the first four years of undergraduate level training. And then you have to apply for master's level training to finish off your final two years. And the master's level training is unbelievably competitive. 
and a lot of people uh, miss out after the the four years so I was a bit worried actually but in the end in the end I did get accepted into a master's of clinical psychology and the acceptance rate was less than three percent for the particular program I'm in so over 900 applicants for only 30 places so I find that pretty shocking (laughs) Uh, but I'm going to be a clinical psychologist which is uh, really exciting and for now I get to use the title of provisional psychologist and it won't be that long before I get to get out there and really help people which is what I really really want to be doing and I've completed a whole bunch of additional training as well so the freedom from chronic pain course with Howard Schubiner finished my uh, meditation and mindfulness teacher certification so I'm officially a meditation and mindfulness teacher as well Um, yeah so I'm really getting there gathering all these really different diverse tools to really help people no matter their kind of presentation and feeling really starting to feel really confident about my ability to do this work with people um and at the end of last year actually I took on my first kind of quote unquote clients so I volunteered my time in an informal kind of arrangement to help a couple of people I knew with chronic pain and just kind of provided them with the TMS education or the neuroscience education we did some provocative testing some meditating um, breathing somatic tracking tracking journaling looking at life stresses and adjustments and that sort of all of that sort of the full gamut um, and it went really 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 well really well um, so we're going to get into doing more of that more and more of that and maybe take on some paid clients once some space opens up in my personal life that might be a little while because I do have a big life change to announce which you'll hear all about in March and I'm really excited for this one um but yeah you'll have to wait till March till my March episode um that's that's yeah that's probably it I won't drag this on too much I'm already approaching what 10 minutes (laughs) um I'll get into the very first episode of 2023. So I have a wonderful guest lined up for you, Laura Haraka, who shares a double whammy recovery story as well as a practitioner story. So she has completely recovered from pelvic pain, chronic pelvic pain, which was so bad, so severe for so long. She had uh, surgery, so she showed the most incredible resilience and is another example that healing from chronic pain really is possible you can do it and now she works as a chronic pain coach so she shares some of her insights into that as well and she has just some of the best analogies (laughs) just she's really good to listen to um I will apologize about myself though it was a bit (laughs) I was a bit nervous recording this one as it was my first one back after quite a while and some of the other ones I have coming up too, which I've pre-recorded, are a little bit rough around the edges. Um, but all my guests have been fabulous, including Laura. Um, yeah, so really, Laura's fabulous. Enjoy. I'll play the episode in just a moment. First things first, if you've listened to any of my previous episodes, you'll know I always have a little disclaimer to cover all the bases. So disclaimer and then on to the episode with Laura. Here we go. Here we go. 
I am a provisional psychologist with my PhD or my doctorate in education, but I'm not a medical doctor. So all of the content that I provide about mind-body healing in any medium, including but not limited to this podcast and my social media channels, is for informational purposes only. No content provided by me is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. The purpose is to promote broad understanding and knowledge of various health topics. If you choose to use any information provided by me, you do so solely at your own risk. Always seek the guidance of your doctor or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding your health or medical condition. Do not embark on a mind-body healing journey until you have the clearance from your healthcare practitioner to do so, until you have discussed how to apply mind-body healing to your own individual case. The methods discussed by guests on the show are not necessarily endorsed by me. Welcome to the Let's Talk Mind Body Healing podcast. I'm your host, Felicia Jaramus, and today I'm here with Laura, who is a chronic pain coach. And I have a feeling this is going to be a very special interview. Um, so, Laura, to get us started, can you introduce yourself um, to our listeners? So, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. You know, I was thinking about this a lot, and I've been on multiple podcasts. And when people ask me to introduce myself, it just doesn't feel right sometimes. And Mm -hmm. I always feel like a little stuck, like, where do I get started? And I always start off the same way. My name's Laura Haraka. I'm the owner of Feel to Heal. I'm a mind-body pain coach. I'm a breath worker. I'm a somatic therapist. But it never felt right, that introduction. And I thought about what did feel right. And what we are is we're not our jobs. We're just not. Yes. Yes. We're our, yeah, we're our qualities. And if you really want to know who I am, I'm motivated. I'm brave. I'm vulnerable. I'm confident. I'm courageous. I'm a perfectionist. I'm persistent. I'm kind, but also I'm fearful. I'm scared. Sometimes they get nervous. So it's important for me to tell you this because all these qualities are shared with people who experience chronic pain, myself Mm -hmm. and many of you listening out there. You know, we're all a little fearful. We're all a little scared. We're all a little worried our symptoms won't go away or just the future in general. Um, So one trait with people with chronic pain that they all possess, every single one of you is bravery. Because each one of you listening has the courage right now to seek answers, to embark on this healing journey, to dive deeper and learn a little bit more about who you are. So I guess if we're all the same, I can heal, that means you can too, if we all possess the same characteristics. So like I said, the introduction, I always get stuck with. And I used to say also, my name is Laura Haraka. I healed from a chronic pelvic pain condition for four (laughs) years, right? And I stopped doing that too, because I'm not what my pain was. And you're not who your pain is. 
right? It's not, you know, who you are. So I stopped doing that introduction and started telling me, telling people who I really am and what I'm really about. That's really powerful. I, one of the really powerful things you said there is you're not your pain. That was such a massive shift to me when I stopped saying I have pain when I, and I started saying mm-hmm. I'm experiencing pain. It's mm-hmm. just that sort of big shift. But I'm going to steal that from you. We're not our jobs. <laughs> we're not, you know, we're our characteristics. I really, really like that one. That's wonderful. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I certainly see myself in many of those traits. So Exactly. Certainly nailed nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you said that you are a chronic pain coach, a somatic therapist, a breath worker. Those all sound like really fabulous things. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe can you tell us a little bit about how you got into that sort of work? Um well, I guess what I do at Feel to Heal, basically, mm-hmm. is I empower people with tools that I have learned to heal from chronic pain. So the way I got into it, I guess it started um, in 2015. I came, I, one day, May 2nd, 2015, I had a UTI. I thought I had a UTI and Mm -hmm. I went for testing um, because it stayed for a few days and all the tests showed I didn't have a UTI. And I went to at least four urologists and everything was fine. And they actually thought I was crazy, told me I should see a psychiatrist. Um, And there was nothing wrong with me, but I was in severe pain. And over a course of three years, my pain was definitely chronic. And I was diagnosed with at least 10 different things. Some of them being pedental neuralgia, PGAD. I had urethral pain. I had interstitial cystitis, something called pelvic congestion syndrome. I had tarlof cysts, pelvic floor dysfunction. I could go on with a few more of them. Isn't it amazing that just the labels they have, just there's so many of them that come out. Yeah, yeah, there's so many, so many. Um, and I went through a series of multiple doctors. I went for trigger point injections all over my pelvis, internally, externally. I traveled around the country. Um, I'm from New Jersey. I went to Tennessee, Washington, Texas. I consulted doctors in Michigan, California, you know, all over the country. And I even had a surgery. I have to say, gosh, that all sounds really horrific. Like it was quite a, yeah, I literally had a surgery to help correct the pelvic congestion syndrome because they kept finding things and saying, oh, that must be the reason, you know? Mm -hmm. So I kept going for trying to find an answer, like all over the world, all over the country. I tried homeopathic methods, supplements. I was in really bad shape. Um, I was on opioids and I was on morphine. I lost the relationship with my family and friends. It was like, almost like I just needed to find the answer. That's all Mm -hmm. I did. It consumed my life trying to figure this out. Um, And it was a major financial burden too on my family. And then how I got into this world. Okay. So 
I had a series of basic aha moments. Okay. And one of the first aha moments I had was I started seeing a hypnotherapist. Mm-hmm. Her name is Caitlin Peterson. And she um she's great. She saved my life um a hundred percent. And this is where I figured out that it was a mind-body condition. So I would go to her office and I'd usually get there before she would get there. And she was down this long hallway and I was very depressed. I was in pain and I literally, she would come down. She would poke her head around the hallway. Okay. And she'd see if I was sitting there. And then all of a sudden I'd hear music. And the music would start playing. And this woman would dance down an entire hallway just to try to get me to smile. I really don't know if there's any other therapist in the entire world that would do what she did for me. Mm. So, and I would sit there and I'd actually pretend not to smile, but I would look up a little bit and I would, (laughs) I would be smiling. And uh, so anyway, I kind of wanted to repay her. And even though I was in pain, I, like I said, I don't think anyone ever went as far as she did to try and help me or anyone would do. So when her birthday came three months before I had my kids help me because, um, I am not a good dancer at all. Um, and I helped, they helped me figure out a dance that I could do for her. So for three months, I started working on this dance Mm -hmm. and I, at her birthday, I decided to dance down that same hallway. So, but while I was doing it over those three months and I was learning the steps in my, my brain and I was focused on those steps, there were times my pain went down or went away. Mm. So that was like my first indication that, you know, if there was something physically wrong with me the pain still would have been there, whether I was dancing or not. Mm -hmm. So that was my first aha moment. And then I read Dr. Schubner's book, Dr. Howard Schubner's book, Unlearn Your Pain. And if you ask me for resources later, that would be one of the ones that I, I recommend. I started reading the book and I saw myself on every page. Yeah. And my, literally I was reading the book. My mouth was dropped open reading this book. I had the personality traits. I had, it just, I fit, I fit the mold. Um, So I just knew that I was starting to get on the right track and to stop this path with the doctors. Um, I also learned from a book. I literally picked up a book and learned about conscious connected breath work. Mm-hmm. And I started doing it myself. No one taught me. I just read about it. And after like, I'd say a month of really getting into it and learning about it, I started seeing my symptoms and my sensations in my body change. So that was another aha moment. And I started seeing a somatic therapist. That's the reason I'm getting certified in somatic therapy. And she was able 
to let me go into my body and feel the sensations in my body, basically, and tap into the pleasant ones and the unpleasant ones. And there were times when I tapped into my emotions as well, that I was able to get the pain to go down. Um, her name's Wendy Newman. She helped me quite a bit in this journey. And I'd say the last thing that really got me hooked on this was I started a meditation practice. Mm -hmm. um, I had a wonderful teacher, Ann Sussman, and she taught me how to meditate. I took a course. And during those times, I got the pain to change as well and sometimes basically disappear. So I said, this is it. This is it. I have TMS. I have a mind-body condition. Um, and then it was like, what am I going to do about it? <laughs> how am I going to, how am I going to fix this? How am I going to, so I learned right away that we have to stop trying to fix it. There's a classic type A, there's a personality there, the fixer. <laughs> because that's what I did at first. I tried to fix it. Okay, what do I do? Do I journal? Do I do this? And I made that my obsession instead of the I, doctor. I did, that. I did that too, yeah. Yeah, you just start to do something. You want to you get rid of this and you found something. So now these personality traits that you have, you use it for this world. But that's really not what we want to do. So I basically started accepting it surrendering to it. And I started knowing, I told myself, there's nothing wrong with me. There's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with me. And I learned that this was just from having a dysregulated nervous system over the years of some things that happened to me. Um, and I learned how to change my thinking. Um, the thoughts that you feed are the ones that grow. And like I said, in my introduction, I stopped considering myself someone that has chronic pain. That was just a part of me that wasn't who I was. So I basically stopped talking about it. Um, I remember sitting in a car one day being like, I give up. Mm. I literally sat there sobbing, canceled my therapy appointments with Caitlin. And I remember where I was and she called me up and she said, I want to give you an experiment. She goes for 30 days. She goes, give me 30 days. And all I want you to do is stop talking about your pain. So I did that. I didn't give it legs. I didn't, I just went and lived my life without talking about it. And I went to the sessions and it's hard to do, um, but I did. I didn't yeah. talk about it at it all. It is hard. It is hard because it becomes part of your identity. You kind of go and see people and they go, oh, how's your pain going? Or it's one of those things that you just talk about constantly, particularly when you're on that seeking type of journey where you're like looking for, to fix it. So exactly. And it hurts. The pain hurts. You know, I know what it's like, but like the way I explain it to my clients is like, if you have two plants, right. And you have one plant and you water it you talk to it, maybe you give it plant food, maybe you give it sunlight, and then you have the other plant and you know it's there, but you don't give it attention, okay? Mm -hmm. So the one that you don't give attention to dies because you've not given it sunlight, water, everything like that. So, but the one that you've given the attention to grows. Mm -hmm. So 
That's how I explain it to my clients. We know it's there, but we don't have to give it legs. We don't have to feed it because then it'll grow. Yeah, it's that fantastic neuroplasticity of our brain. The more you use a pathway, the more it grows and gets stronger. And But if you stop using it, it'll start shrinking. <laughs> exactly. It's like, you know, if you use a language, uh, you learn a language in high school, right? We all have to take a certain amount of languages and sometimes in college. And now I wasn't fluent in any of them, like, you know, but I, I knew enough to talk mm-hmm. to someone or get words of someone who's Spanish. And cause that's what I took. But if you don't use it for 10 years, which I actually haven't, that neural pathway weakens. And I wouldn't know how to now converse with someone cause I haven't used it well more than 10 years um, because I'm 51 and uh, I've been out of high school for quite some time. But, you know, I knew when I practiced it, I knew it. So, and it, it's kind of like even playing the piano. I was a really good piano player and I stopped for now. It's been 30 years. I could probably right now only play, play happy birthday or, you know, on the piano. Mm-hmm. Um, so those neural pathways can fade. So we don't want to feed into them and keep practicing them basically. Mm, that that's makes a sense. great, that's a great example the yeah. language and the piano and yeah it all makes perfect sense yeah I was gonna say one of the things you spoke about earlier I'll just jump to it yeah, um, go ahead. you talked about really accepting and surrendering and I know that's something that many people going down this path they really struggle with so did you were there any obstacles for you in that and what sort of things did you do to overcome that well you know it's hard to surrender It really is. It's very hard to surrender to it. And one of the things I did was I made a choice. I made a choice that I wasn't going to let this rule my life. And I was going to go out anyway, because I could sit alone in this house and be in pain, or I could go out with people and be in pain. (laughs) So I said, which choice are you going to make, Laura? Are you going to sit here? The pain's going to be here, be there, whether I sit there or I go out. So I chose to go out because why not be with people and try to enjoy myself and laugh, even if I'm in pain. And what happened was basically I noticed at certain times my pain went down. So when I was laughing, when I was socializing, when I was connecting with people, I was able to realize that my pain would diminish basically. And it might come back up, but I said, I'm going to keep doing this and I'm going to surrender to the pain, let it be there. And I'm going to stop trying to fix it. And I give this analogy to, to my clients. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of it because you're, you're younger than me. And uh, it's something called Chinese handcuffs. Do you ever hear of those? No, I haven't actually. If you haven't, there's YouTubes on it and I send Mm -hmm. it to my clients and it's like a cylinder tube. Okay. And if you put, that's what they're called. And if you put your fingers in both ends of the cylinder, right. 
and you try to pull out real hard, it traps your fingers inside and you get well, stuck. I've, I've seen these actually. You can you yeah. still get them as like joke toys. You could exactly, yeah. exactly. But when you surrender and you just do it easy, your fingers will release. So the harder you try, the worse it's going to be when I try to fix it and you get frustrated and you pull so hard. But if you just surrender and relax, it's like the Chinese handcuffs. It will let go. It'll let go. It'll let go of the hold it has over you. Exactly. Exactly. Those are some great, great metaphors and great visualizations. Yeah. Yeah. So look it up. If you haven't seen it, any of your listeners out there, look up what that is and you can see how it's used because um, it really is a great analogy for just letting go. Mm. Yeah, most definitely. Mm. Okay. Here's a good one. Um, How would you describe yourself now that you've done the kind of mind body work? compared to how you were before what sort of changes did it bring about in your life yeah well this journey completely changed me I am a hundred percent a completely different person now hundred percent I still am brave I'm still a, a a a person that's a perfectionist that works on it every day um I still get scared those things, you know, haven't changed, but now I have tools to work on that. Um, and a lot of that has been through my breath work and my somatics, which we can um, get into in a little bit. Um, but I am now, I practice self-care routines, yes. which is a big deal, a big yes. deal. Um, I give myself time and space to basically smell the roses. Um, I give myself time to take a walk. Um, and because of that, I practice mindfulness now. And I stay more in the present moment. I have a lot more self-compassion. So when I'm having, let's say a bad moment, or even some anxiety, because I'm a normal human being. I experience feelings and things like that. Um, I'm not hard on myself anymore. Mm. I've, you know, learned to really turn my thinking around. Um, one of the ways I, I do that, and I, I didn't even think about bringing it up, but I will, is um, the warrior heart practice, um, which has been a big thing for me. I literally what it does is it asks you to first tap into your feelings. Mm -hmm. So I identify my feelings now and I find them in my body, which is a lot of my somatic work. Um, I let myself say that story. So let's say I'm feeling anxious. Um, you know, my daughter was going to be coming home from college during COVID and she was going to get all of us sick. And I have anxiety and I let myself sit with the anxiety. I feel it. I notice it in my body. That's what I would do first. And then I tell myself this big story. I let myself get it out. Oh my God, she's going to get all of us sick. We're not going to be have Christmas with the entire family. And then I tell myself the truth about the matter. And the truth about that is 
if she comes home and she has COVID, we can still have a nice Christmas, just the four of us. The truth about that is she's young and people aren't, and young people, and she doesn't have any underlying conditions, aren't getting too sick, um, or we can hope, right? Um, so I kind of am able to now change my thinking around by going into the truth. And then I would go into the intention. And my intention would be, in this case, to have clarity over the situation. And so that I go to what I know is true, just to keep going back to clarity. So I go through a whole process now, um, and it's the Warrior Heart Practice by Heather Ashamara. Um, I read that book, and that's another great resource for people. And in the book is that worksheet, and she explains how to go into the feeling chamber, the story chamber, the truth chamber, and the intention for that day. So um, I am more present with myself because of that. I am more present with my children, my friends. Um, my whole life has changed because of this journey. Um, it, it really has. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a completely different person. Um, I, I choose joy now. I go out more. Um, and I do all the things I want to do. I don't hold back. Yes, I love that question because it really gets to the, and it's something I think people find very, very hard to believe, but the mm -hmm. pain is actually a gift in many ways. And it really yeah. does when you get to yeah, the other side. I, I wouldn't have been here with you right now if I didn't. And I don't want anyone to have pain, like obviously. Mm -hmm. um, I wish I didn't have pain, but good things can come out of something bad that yes. happened. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. A big one for me, which you talk about, is being able to sit with your anxiety, go into your body. For me, mm -hmm. I actually know when I'm anxious now and I can identify I'm feeling anxious and then I can kind of do something about it rather than just pushing it all down and pushing onwards anyway. So mm -hmm. it's really you just get in touch with yourself and what you need. Yeah. You know what? We try so hard. Some of my clients will be like, well, I did the breath work and I did this and I couldn't get it away. And I say to them, sit with it for a little bit. Yeah. You don't have to run away from it. Hold hands with it. Hug yourself. See what you see, what your body needs. Yeah. And developing those skills to be able to sit with it. Oh, I'm feeling yeah. anxious. I'm going to take some deep breaths. I'm going to see what I'm feeling anxious about. Like it's all a whole new process that I never used to do or know how to do or I would run away from my anxiety as fast as I could <laughs> exactly like I would really try to fix it I'm like oh my god I'm anxious I'm gonna do my breath work oh my god I'm anxious I'm going to do some somatic work and some grounding and but now if I get anxious I sit with it first mm -hmm. and I talk to it ask it why it's there and give myself a lot of love and self-compassion mm -hmm. love and self-compassion is yeah pretty key yeah um okay so thank you for sharing about sort of how you got into the mind body healing world mm -hmm. we might go now and talk a little bit more about the work you do at feel to heal yes so what sort of clients you work with what are some of the 
it's obviously TMS, but some of the main medical labels clients have been yeah, given, right. that sort of thing. <laughs> you know, what sort of results do you see? Yeah, well, um, I work with people with chronic pain. A lot of times people with pelvic pain um, mm. come to me because they know that I've had pelvic pain. Yep. Um, yeah. I also have suffered with a lot of anxiety and depression in my life. So I do seem to attract people with anxiety um, disorders and things like that, because I can teach them a lot of somatic tools to help them. I've helped people though, with other pain conditions, back pain, restless leg syndrome. Um, and what I do at feel to heal is I show people that they have the power to heal themselves yes. and that they have the power to do everything and anything they believe in. And one of the things I do first with them is I create an evidence journal so that they can see um, if they are a candidate for this being a mind body, you know, mm -hmm. syndrome, because I do encourage people, I'm not against doctors, but we do need to rule out certain things, infections, yeah. cancer, broken bones, but most things are um, a mind body condition. So the first thing I do, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I think I read on your website that you've done the freedom from chronic pain course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm in the middle of that at the moment. And that's um, what they're talking about doing the fit criteria and exactly. the story, ruling out the, yeah. Yeah. We use a certain, I learned the criteria basically from my practitioner training with Dr. Schubner yeah. and that's what I go through, but I also go through aha moments. And I have people keep listing them. And the reason I, I do that in our first session and for homework, it's like, if they find an aha moment they're during the week, continue to write it down. And I use this analogy, which is kind of cool. Now, I don't know if any of their listeners this um, resonates with, but it might. If you've ever went to buy a new car or a used car, but it'd be new to you. So I call this the red Jeep analogy, because when I turned 50, the car of my dreams was a red Jeep Wrangler. So I decided I was going to buy this red Jeep Wrangler and I went and bought it like that. So I told, I remember telling my family, I'm going to be the coolest mom in Bloomfield, New Jersey, driving <laughs> around in a red Jeep Wrangler. And there are, there is nobody, there are no other red Jeep Wranglers out there in Bloomfield, New Jersey. I'm going to be the only one, right? After I bought it, wouldn't you know that all of a sudden, that's all I started seeing was red Jeep Wranglers. Yes, okay? that's exactly what happens. Yeah, that's what happens, right? And the thing is, they were always there. I just wasn't paying attention or bringing, I wasn't aware. It, it wasn't something that I was thinking about. Mm -hmm. So what I do is, if you come up with an evidence journal, the universe will give you more evidence that it's true. The universe gave me more Reggie Wranglers to see. Mm. So we are what we feed our brains. So if we keep feeding our brains evidence that this is true, that it's a mind-body syndrome, and we believe it's a mind-body syndrome, the universe will also give us more evidence that this is true as well. So I call it the Reggie. Yeah. 
Obviously, I love the concept of writing it down in a journal as well, because when you have those real moments of doubt, those crises of confidence, you can go back to, no, these were all the times where I felt it or knew it or like, look at all this evidence I have. Exactly. So when my clients text me and say, oh, I think it's physical. This happened. I say, go, let's Mm. go back. Let's read your evidence journal. That would be um, one of the first things I do at um, Field to Heal. And yeah, it's so good because so so many times people make so much great progress and then they have that real moment of doubt and then they end up back in the medical system and it's like, oh, we were so close. (laughs) Yeah. But eventually, you know, we we do come to the conclusion that it is because we We keep coming up with evidence. But sometimes... You know, people have to do it on their own timeline. Exactly. It's all in your own time. I don't think, I think you have, there's a readiness. You have to be ready. Yeah, you have to be ready. I can, some people I do this evidence journal with and they know in one session and I don't have to convince them. Other times it takes people three months because they're Mm -hmm. just not ready. And it just depends where you are. And it's okay that it takes one person longer and one person a shorter amount of time. Because as oh, soon yeah. as you do believe, then it clicks. Yeah, then it, took it, clicks. Me, it took me months and many books and many podcasts and many everything. Oh, my God. Forever. So, you know, even when I found the world, I would still go back. And I tell people mm-hmm. that it's normal to go back and think because when you're feeling this, you're like, it has to be physical. Um, could this really be true that it's a mind body condition? Um so it's so it's normal. I think it's it's very counter to everything you hear. Kind of, this is a very exactly. small little world compared to what's out there, and it's it's extremely counter to everything else you hear. So. Exactly, exactly. You know, so I I do give them um, I, we do do that first, and I also teach them the science and the knowledge, um, so they can understand how it happens and why it happens. And one of the things I do have to tell them also, it's not their fault. Yes. Even though it's our brains doing it, our own brains, it's not our fault that this has happened. Um, Mm -hmm. However, it's our responsibility to fix it. No one's going to fix it for us. It's not our fault if there was a trauma and, you know, that- it's not our fault if something happened to us um, because this comes from a dysregulated nervous system. Um, It comes from unprocessed emotions. Maybe we weren't able to feel our emotions as children. Um, We couldn't help the things that happened to us. And then when we couple it with fear and we have a symptom and we put the fear on top of it, these symptoms stick and they stay and they become chronic. So I try to give people the science and knowledge behind how these conditions come about. And, you know, I also teach people the tools that I learned in Dr. Schubner's training, Mm -hmm. um, how to um, react to your pain, how to react to it with curiosity. It's basically not reacting to it saying, Mm. isn't this interesting? Um, You know, just looking at it through a different lens. And I also use 
I teach people in field to heal pain reprocessing techniques. Yeah. Um, yeah. People that are having trouble sitting, I have gotten them to sit. Some woman, um, and we'll just call her Jenny for the sake of using a different name. <laughs> um, she was only able to sit um, for a few minutes. And now she can sit up to eight hours, which mm. is pretty cool. And yeah, the other day, cool. yeah, the other day I have a woman that I see, um, which I'm still trying to convince it's a mind body thing. And she's getting there. She's getting there. Mm. Um, she has all her sessions on her stomach because she can't sit at all. Well, the other day she drove in her car to Marshall's. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. It's a five minute drive. And she spent three hours in the store um, and a five minute drive back. And we did that just through pain reprocessing. It's phenomenal. Phenomenal, right? It's the most yeah. amazing thing, you know, that uh, that, that can happen. Um, and I guess what I, the other thing I do, which is pretty cool at um, in my business is I teach, we go through somatic therapy sessions. So I teach people how to regulate their nervous system through grounding, through orienting, through specific breaths that I, um, that I do with them. And when we do the somatics, we learn not to fear our pain. We give our pain a voice. Um, we learn to feel our emotion in our body uh, and just regulate our nervous system. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll give you an example of the lady I worked with, with restless legs, right? So her legs were, she had all symptoms of restless leg syndrome, or that's what she was diagnosed with. Yeah, that's, that's, the you, yeah. that's the label. These are just sensations coming from her brain. Um, and she feared them. And through somatics, we were able to have her not fear her symptoms. We were able to talk to her legs, give our legs give her legs a voice. And basically what happens when these symptoms happen is we weren't able to complete an action. And in her case, there was, a, you know, she was stuck in the sympathetic nervous system and which is your fight and your flight where your heart races, your blood pressure goes up. And we want to be in our parasympathetic nervous system, which is your calm and rest and digest. So what I did was I let her body complete the action and our brain doesn't know the difference, whether it's really happening or we're visualizing it happening. So she needed to fight. She needed to kick. She needed to run. She needed to do all these things. And right at this moment, her legs are fine completely fine. Did it take a few sessions? This doesn't happen just in one session. I don't want people to think that sometimes, oh, we'll have one session and it's gone. But over the course of a few sessions, um, we were able to diminish this. And if she gets a little twinge at night, she looks at it. She says, oh, this is interesting. She doesn't fear it. She watches it and it dissipates right away, mm. which is, which is pretty cool. And, uh, I, I think it's yeah. so cool how often it's just like it's your body trying to tell you something for her it was her yes. legs that her legs were literally restless to complete what she wanted to do and exactly 
Exactly. So it's, it's a pretty cool modality. And I use somatics um, every day when I was healing. Um, yeah, would, somatics were really powerful for me too. Yeah, I leaned still, into still positive. Are, still sensations. are to this day. Oh, me too. Me too. I lean into positive sensations in my body all the time. Now, I do not have chronic pain anymore at all. Um, mm, same. But everybody gets pain. Everybody gets pain. And now I learn to think and ask it, oh, why it's here. Oh, maybe you just need to rest. Maybe there's something stressful and I can go into it or I can help myself. Maybe I just need to lean into a positive emotion in my body. And now that I don't fear things, nothing becomes chronic with me anymore. Yeah. Now, because I don't have chronic pain, a lot of the things I use with my somatics um, are my grounding techniques, um, Mm. my orienting. I know how to regulate myself. Uh, which is great. And one of the other things I use, um, which I teach my clients is something called the boo breath. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you a little bit about it. Um, What it, what we need to do or what I do is there's a nerve called the vagus nerve and it runs. Yeah. It runs all the way from your brainstem all the way down to your pelvis. And it's the longest nerve in our body. And it's in Latin, it's called the wanderer because it goes all the way down and it has branches going out all into our most significant organs in our body, the bladder, bowel, digestion, your heart rate. And it's basically your body's communication superhighway. Okay. It's to me, it's like the wonder nerve. So what we try to do is we want to activate that because we want to stimulate it so that it activates our parasympathetic nervous system, our rest and our digest. And there's many ways to do it. Um, Cold therapy, um, which I still use if I'm feeling a little anxious in the winter, especially I'll just open the door real quick and stick my head out. And it, (laughs) you know, as silly as it sounds, it works. It works just to jump outside in the winter for a little bit. And if it's not the winter, just to splash a little cold water on your face. I wonder if that's why I know my partner, he likes to turn the cold water on himself before he gets out the shower, makes it like ice cold. And then he'll get out because it makes him feel really good. Now they say that's a great practice. Unfortunately, I can't do that. It makes it too cold, but I have lots of clients that I recommend it to. Um, So my, what I do is just run outside for a second or stick my head outside. And we can activate it by humming, singing. And that was a lot of what I did to get better. As soon as I woke up in the morning, I sang. Mm. I sang, I hummed, I put it on in the car. And I didn't think about it like as, oh, I'm using this modality to get better. Singing makes you happy. Listening to music makes you happy. Why not do that even if you don't have chronic pain, right? So one of the things I also did um, was something called the Vu breath. And if you'd like, I can show you how to do it and demonstrate it for the people listening out there. I'd love that. Let's give it a go. Let's give it a go. Okay. And this, there's real science behind this. Um, and if anyone ever has any, you know, questions, they can always contact me. I can send them any links to any YouTube videos that I've mentioned on how to do the U Vu breath, the Chinese handcuffs, um, any of these things. Um, yeah, um, I was going to say, I've written down the, some of the things you've mentioned as you've gone and I'll um, email you for them and then put them in there. 
Yeah. Any books, mm-hmm. any, any books, um, anything. I'm happy to share that if, you know, but so let's do this boob breath. So right. I'm going to explain how to excited. do it first. Good, good. So what the Vu breath does is you're going to take a nice gentle and not, don't do it yet. First, listen to the directions, everyone. So you're going to take a nice gentle breath and you're going to fill your belly. And then you're going to purse your lips and you're going to say the sound Vu, V as in Victor, <laughs> O-O, Okay. And when, and some people think it's a little silly, um, but it really works. And it's something you can try on your own. You don't have to do it in front of people if you feel like it's silly, but I want to encourage people to give it a try. So basically you say the word vu until all the air is expelled from your body, feeling and bringing that vibration from your belly all the way up. So if you're listening out there and you want to try, I'll do it with you. Mm-hmm. And, but before we start on a scale one to 10, just make a mental note where you are right now. One being, oh my God, I'm so calm. So, you know, I could go to sleep right now or 10 being completely activated, anxious, and just make a num, you know, a point in your brain, a note uh, where you are on that scale right now. So just make a small mental note. It may be like and a six or a seven for me. There you go, six or a seven. <laughs> now, just so you know, sometimes we have to do it once. Sometimes we have to do it twice. But let's just notice we're doing it once today. So let's do it together. So we're gonna take a nice, gentle breath in, filling up our belly. Pursing our lips and making the sound voo. Really getting all that air out. Getting that vibration. And then just sitting with it. And just noticing your body. And everyone might feel something different. Some people might feel a tingling. Some people might feel a sense of calm. You could feel a sense of lightheadedness. And even if you do it now and later in the day, it could change. And what I do is I ask myself, my body, would my body like another one? Yes, so, is the answer for my body. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, so sometimes our body would like another one. And I'm just curious if you felt anything when we did that. I think I felt like straight away this just like sense of like, oh, that's what it felt like. Yeah. To me. Just, like yeah. and it was like straight away as soon as I started. So yeah, yeah, yeah. If you really pull that vibration up and it really can. But, you know, if nothing happened today, that's OK, too. Give it a little time, practice it a few times during the day and invite your body and ask it if it would like another one and sit with it, let it integrate and see how you feel. So really, that's one I of really, the things. Yeah. I'm say I really agree with that. All these things take a lot of practice and yeah, 
you get repetition to really kind of start feeling the benefits. Yeah. And then just make a note where you are now. Are you still at a six? And you could be, and that's okay. Are you at a five? Are you at a four? So just make a mental note of it where you are on the scale, seeing, you know, what happened in your body as you did that. My body felt really good. I enjoyed that. Yeah, good. I'll I'll use that one. Good. Yes, try it. It's a proven technique that it activates your vagus nerve. And that's what we need to do. Um, The other thing that I do at um, Feel to Heal is I teach people a type of breathing called conscious connected breath work. And it's a little different. Now I use other types of breath work, just so you know. Um, I, one of my favorite ones is just to breathe in four and out eight to elongate the exhale. I use it every day and it's great. And I use meditation every day, which I love to meditate. But the way I look at that, and this is how I explain it, is if you had like a garden hose and it's a nice steady stream, if you don't have like a nozzle on it and you just let the, let it go and let the water flow. But conscious connected breath work is like a fire hose. Okay. It, it gets you there a little faster into this parasympathetic state. So what it does is you take your breaths either in through your nose and out through your nose. I do another one only through the mouth, filling up the belly, the chest and releasing. There's many ways to do this, but the goal is not to have any gaps or pauses to keep it going like a circle and it changes the, it alters the carbon dioxide and oxygen levels in your body, which can produce a tingling, which to me, I love, I love that tingling. Um, It can produce a little tetany in your body, which is where your hands get a little stiff. And if any of these things feel uncomfortable, you can regulate it yourself. You're in control. You have the power of your breath to go faster or slower and what this does is activate your parasympathetic nervous system. You stay in the present for longer. It helps with anxiety, depression. Um, it helps with processing unprocessed emotions and relieving trauma and chronic pain. So it does all those things. And when I did my breath work, um, it I noticed that my pain would change. It took a while for me to get used to it. So um, I, after like a month, I really got into it. You, mm-hmm. you know, I really got that rhythm going and saw what worked for me. And if you do it, let it integrate the same way we took a pause and let the VU breath integrate. In, integrate. We don't just jump up after doing it. Um, and it's really been... Um, a big lifesaver for me, um, my breath work. So I start, so to try to save people money, cause I knew financially I was, um, it took a big toll on me. I offer breath work sessions once a month and they, even though you're with a group, you can keep your camera off. And I offer them for, you know, a really low rate. I do sessions with people too, individually, cause some people like to do that. Um, but it's been a major um, impact on my life and a major tool in my healing. Yeah, I think um, people doing breath work is really exciting for me because breath, I think, is one of the most underutilized but powerful tools in the TMS 
kind of heal it in is. space. It was so powerful. Mm. And all those practices, they so transformative, way more than you than you think. You think, oh, yeah. it's just breathing. I know how to breathe, but actually. I know. <laughs> even, even just, you know, breathing into your belly, that mm. activates your vagus nerve as well. And if people, some people say to me, I don't know how to breathe into my belly, put your hand on your belly. Yeah. That's a big way to start getting yourself and think about it like a balloon, like you're blowing up a balloon in your belly and it's then deflating, going up and down. And like we said, it takes some practice. Don't be upset if you can't do any of these things, you know, the first time. It took me a few weeks before I was able to do the conscious connected breath work and I had to build up to it. Um, yeah, you do have to build up to it. And because I think when the carbon dioxide starts to change, you do start to panic. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So one of the things that I like to do is I like to lay in bed at night and put one hand on my chest and one hand on my belly and then feel where mm-hmm. the air is going and then like feel the difference in my breath. Right. Yeah, yeah just to notice what's happening in your body. Sometimes mm-hmm. not even to change it, just to notice what's happening um, yep. so that you can be aware um, where the breath is going. Mm. Mm. Okay, so here's one for you. So with all of the work you do, um, this is probably for someone who's a little bit, if there's anyone who's a little bit, oh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. So how would someone know um, if seeing a pain coach would benefit them? Um, well, like I said, what a pain coach can do is they can determine if this is a mind body condition. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me, I make sure they have been checked out by a doctor and make sure there is nothing really going on because there are structural problems that happen. Um, Mm -hmm. and we can't forget about that. Um, I mean, For me right now, if I get a little ache and pain, I don't run to a doctor. It's the actual last thing I do now. Same. Yeah. It's the last thing I do. Um, I mean, they, they happen, but they're rare. Hang on. I'll just pull up some statistics really quickly um, that we got. One, just take me one second. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, you know. I'll mention while you're doing that um, something and people can look this up because even if they do find something, it doesn't mean that's the cause of your pain. So yeah. yeah Cause I was a victim of this. Um, oh, it's me called too. the vomit studies. I don't know if you ever heard of the vomit studies. It's, it's the victim it, of medical imaging technology. My, yeah, modern imaging technology. And what happens is that um, they they um, did imaging of certain people um, because what happened was I they found things every time they did imaging of me and kept saying, that's the cause, that's the cause. But if you Google the vomit studies, I can tell you two of them, which are pretty interesting. They took a certain amount of professional baseball pitchers, right? And they did imaging of them and 40% of them had partial or full rotator cuff tears, right? 40%. That's a pretty high number, but they didn't have pain. And if you look at basketball, they did the same thing for basketball players, but they did imaging of their knees 
and 48% of them had meniscal damage, but no pain. So the question is, why did they have no pain? And you know, I do it if that's what's causing my pain. If that's what's causing it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's the same. I think it's the same with all your back issues, the degenerated yeah. discs and the so many people have those asymptomatically. It's actually a normal part of aging. So exactly. And they don't have to cause pain, these things. No, that's I have right. Tarlov, I have Tarlov cysts in my body. And I'm sitting here with you pain free. It's the same as endometriosis. I just weep at all the women getting cut open repeatedly and having those repeated surgeries when so many people have it asymptomatically. So exactly. I was diagnosed with endometriosis as well. That was one of the 10. <laughs> yeah, it's very it's so common. Um, I think and in my case, I'm fine. I'm fine. I don't suffer with it at all anymore. No. Um so these are the statistics. Um, it's the proportion of chronic conditions that are brain induced. So this has just come from the freedom from chronic pain course. Yep. So um, <laughs> headaches, 98%, fibromyalgia, 99%, IBS, 99%, anxiety and depression, 99%, pelvic pain syndromes, 90%, chronic neck and pain, greater than 85%. So if you have one of those conditions, it's pretty highly likely that it's brain induced. Yep, absolutely. Those statistics are remarkable. Oh, they're mind blowing. Mind blowing is right. Yeah. You just wait for like how they're treated mm-hmm. at the moment. And it took me years and years and years to find. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> and that's one of the things I show people when I talk about the science and knowledge, I put it right up there on the screen for them to see. Because when you see it with your own eyes, instead you're like, oh my God, these people had degenerative disc disease, bulging discs, and the percentage of them having it, but not having pain mm. is amazing. Yeah, it is so amazing. Mm. Okay, so we're coming towards the end. Um, okay. So I just have a couple of closing questions. So yeah. you've already mentioned so many um throughout the the recording, but I'll just ask you again in case there's anything else you wanted to mention. So are there any kind of top resources or healing techniques that you would recommend for people undergoing this? Sure, sure. Um, You know, the first thing I would tell someone undergoing this is to get support. Mm -hmm. Find a good therapist. Find a good- That's so important. Yeah, find a good therapist. Find a good coach trained in mind-body techniques. Um, that's really important. Um, work with a somatic therapist. Work with a hypnotherapist. Get support because and that's what you need. I say, don't give up if you find that the first person you see isn't the right fit for you or if the second exactly. person you see isn't the right fit for you. Just yeah. find your person. Yeah. yeah, find your person. It takes time. Um, it took multiple times for me to find the right person. And finally I did in Caitlin, um, because even though she never heard at the beginning of TMS, now she knows all about it. She was teaching the same technique. Mm. So it really didn't matter. So you need to find someone that knows and understands about mind body conditions, whether it be a therapist, coach, somatic therapist, hypnotherapist, it doesn't matter as long as they know it. Um, I guess as far as resources also, I would recommend the book, Unlearn Your Pain. Yep. 
And in that, and in his training is um, amazing with the pain reprocessing, getting people to sit and how we do it um, and standing up to your pain with confidence because what we do with our body basically shapes our minds. And that's one of the things I do teach my clients as well. And I guess the other um, two things I would recommend are finding as much joy and love and dancing and singing and movement mm -hmm. and friends as much as you can of those things in your life, because those things actually regulate your nervous system. They do. So as far as a resource, joy, find joy, dance, sing, go out, have fun, find something that lights you up. Um, the last thing I would say, the breath work really changed my life. Um, and that's why I teach it to other people. And I have people on my breath work sessions, literally at the end of it are sobbing. They said they didn't know there was something stuck. And the breath actually helps move that trauma without even talking about it. The breath can actually help get those emotions that are stuck, helps get the traumas that are stuck and get it out of our body and release it. Um, so those would be my main resources to people to start um, on their journey. But don't make this the entire part of your day. I created a plan. I did my breath work in the morning. I did some somatic work. Um, and I did that at night as well. So I really only did like an hour of, let's say TMS work, um, a day. I mean, the rest of my day, it's not a bad thing to sing during my day, <laughs> you know? So I didn't consider that working. I didn't consider exercise doing something to get rid of it. Exercise is good for me. So I did it. Um, I practiced self-care. It wasn't to get rid of the pain. It was because that's what my body craved and wanted. And that's what mm -hmm. I needed in a daily routine. So don't make this your whole day and say, I have to read this book. I have to listen to this podcast. I have to do this. And I guess also pick what resonates for you. Yeah. Such a big one. Yeah. Like some people might Maybe they'll try one of my breathwork classes. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll do it with someone else or do it on their own. And they say, I don't like this, but meditation is my thing. This, that makes me feel better. So just because I say that helped me or doing the dancing helped me, pick what works for you. Maybe it's cooking. It doesn't matter what it is, but pick what lights you up. What gives you happiness? I have so many people say to me, I want to do exactly what you did. No, no, no. We have to do what is exactly right for you. Whether it's setting boundaries, whatever it is, um, what worked for me will not always work for you, but I can help you figure that out. Yes. I love that advice so much. I think that's so powerful. Find what resonates with you. And if you try something and it doesn't, you go, I'm not getting anything out of this. I'm not it enjoying this. There's so much out there. Try something yeah. else. Yeah, pick the modalities that work for you. Yeah, don't get stuck on the one thing for six months and be like, mustn't be TMS. Exactly. <laughs> like I did. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I tell people all the time, tell me if it doesn't work. Tell me if you don't like that. We'll try something else. Mm, I really like the Find Joey one too. That's a great one because you're, yeah. 
you're doing yeah. the work up but are you you know you're you're just doing what's good for you what nourishes you which is what we all could do a little bit more of exactly 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 mm. um okay and lucky last question but I think you may <laughs> have already covered it anyway um but if you could give li- listeners any advice at all so maybe something you wish you had heard early on in your journey or maybe something you use frequently um in relation to the healing what would it be you know like i said before joy and love is probably the most important component from dealing with chronic pain um don't be afraid to feel your emotions at all um you have the power to heal yourself the power lies completely within you um i healed i have the same traits as you you can heal too and I found this quote the other day by Young Pueblo. So I'd like to read it if I can. Mm, that'd be wonderful. And this, yeah. Healing isn't all about filling your life with pleasure or never having a hard moment again. Okay. It's about being real and facing what you feel. So it doesn't accumulate in unhealthy ways. Being with the down moments is better than carrying unprocessed pain everywhere you go. That's such a lovely note to finish on, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much for that quote. That's yeah, no problem. Um, I'd love to tell people if that's okay with you, how they can contact me if they, of course, please do so. Yeah. Um, so they can contact me. Um, through my website, if they like, at feeltoheal.live. Um, on Facebook, um, Feel to Heal, and they can message me on Messenger anytime. Uh, on Instagram, I'm Feel to Heal Coaching, and I do get you can message me on there as well. And my phone number is on my website. My email address is mbcoachlaura, that's M as in Mary, B as in boy, Coach Laura at gmail.com. And I offer breathwork sessions, like I said, once a month. You can find them when I post them on my Instagram, my Facebook, uh, and on my website. And anyone that's listening here today, if they'd like to join one of my breathwork sessions, um, they can plug in a coupon code to get $10 off um, their first session, which would be the number 10, the word off and breath. And also, if you have any questions, something that, you know, I didn't touch on today, or you just wanted me to go in further, please feel free, email me. I'm happy to answer any questions anyone listening to this has. I was once you, and I, uh, I'm, I'm happy to help. That's why I, I got into this because I, Nobody needs to be in chronic pain. Mm. Wonderful. Um, so I'm, I'll take note of all of those contact details and I'll also put them in the podcast description as well. So you should be able to easily access uh, Laura there if you want to get in contact with her and um, yeah. do some breath work maybe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Come join us. <laughs> It's pretty good stuff. Um, so yeah. thank you so much for chatting with me today. I'm just going to um, and being so generous in your sharing and helping p- 
people get out of pain. We certainly need more of that, more healing and less managing. Yes. Um, so I'm going to stop the recording now.